You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster Talk is supported by listeners like you. Find out how you can contribute via Patreon or with reviews at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Your contributions, large or small, make a huge difference. Thanks. All right. All right. I am recording. Now I'm we're recording. on. So all, everything, all that jibber jabber from before, just crap. <laughs> yes, <laughs> garbage. Pure garbage. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Dog. It's no secret that I enjoy the stories of H.P. Lovecraft. We've talked about him quite a few times on this show. Even so, we've barely scratched the surface of his work and cultural impact, at least compared to the guests on this episode of Monster Talk. I'm delighted to present to you a conversation with two gentlemen whose work many of you will already be familiar with, Chris Lackey and Chad Pfeiffer, the hosts of the very excellent H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. You can find their show on iTunes and lots of other places, but I suggest you get it over at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash witchhousemedia, where they produce weekly episodes that have extended way beyond the writings of H.P. Lovecraft and into a variety of weird tales. Today, they're joining me to talk about Monsters of the Mythos. I hope you enjoy our Monster Talk. Well, so I guess is, I probably should get the show started for real. Yeah, let's do it. So, so welcome to Monster Talk. Today we're uh, having on Chris Lackey and Chad Pfeiffer, or it could be Chad Pfeiffer and Chris Lackey. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which of you is better. Go. 
you know Pfeiffer. what we were doing? Uh, Pfeiffer and Lackey.com for a long time, you know, like ages ago when we were doing different projects. The problem with that, though, is that it ends up sounding like me and an assistant. I, you know what I mean? Just because your name's Lackey. <laughs> oh, I don't want anybody to misinterpret that. We were just going alphabetically, too, but it was like, yeah. okay, so more often than not now, I'll say Chris's name first so that the wrong impression isn't made. Yeah. So Lackey yeah, that, that was the first time that I've ever heard you say that I mean, it never even crossed my mind that people would think that until right now and now that you really? point it out it seems really obvious yeah yeah well, i mean it you know it, it it just sounds like it's like he, he, me and my lackey you know it's like, <laughs> i don't want to come off that way so yeah. <laughs> well we generally I, do it the other way around. i mean uh, so for, for anybody who doesn't know uh chad and chris are from the hp lovecraft literary podcast and I'll, of course that'll be in the show notes and mm-hmm. i'll, I'll yeah. drop an intro in on it and everything but um, you actually did cover that story, not about this for how you do your name layout, but the uh, you talked about it being a thing in college where you called him Lackey all the time. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was amused by. Which so. would weird people na- out, you know? Yeah. That was in high school. Yeah, yeah. Not even college. Oh, oh, man. oh I thought it was a college story. friend over there. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. we were wee lads, but it was just my name, and everybody He's- called me by my last name. Most people didn't know what Lackey meant. That wasn't. Unless you read comic books or D and D, the yeah. word la- or play D and D, it yeah. didn't come up. And all the right. nerds, I was in with the nerds, so it didn't matter. Well, I, I've invited you on to talk mm. about H.P. Lovecraft monsters, monsters from the mythos. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you so much for having us on. I love oh, your yeah. show. I, I'm excited we could finally get this together. We had some scheduling difficulties along the way, but so I'm, I'm really oh, glad God. this is happening. Well, that's I'm so, I'm so glad you said that. That's I, I, you guys. Uh, it's fun. You you do a, a show on fiction. It's it's very literary. I'm a I'm a I'm a failed English major myself. Um, Excellent. So, <laughs> I I say fail. I, I I feel like I'm a delayed English major. Like I like someday I'm going to get back uh, to school. But I have this suspicion at least one of my kids is going to graduate from college before I do. It's ridiculous. Um, so I no. know I, I I'm ready well, to be you on could one go of those... back to college with your kid and have a crazy hijinks like the Dangerfield movie. Yes, uh, back to school. But triple Lindy, yeah. The triple Lindy, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure college is ex- is just like that movie still. I, uh, you know, I had the the best the episode that's going to go up before this one. Uh, Karen and I got invited uh, by Texas Tech University to come down and talk to the uh, College of Communications and Media or Media Communications, mm-hmm. and so we we taught in or we lectured in six different college courses plus recorded in their studio and oh wow, uh, it was really neat and. Uh, I you know seeing those college kids and talking to them it, it was invigorating to me intellectually and at the same time made me feel like I could kick their ass if I took a class right so <laughs> it's like because like, now that I'm old I know how to study you know <laughs> yeah. oh, right yeah you actually care about it you know? right when you're focused <laughs> yeah because yeah, they 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 want to it's the first time in their life that they're not living under their parents so they're just free yeah. and they're experiencing yeah. life out in the world they can. Do whatever they want, whenever they want, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Most most of those kids aren't there to study. I mean, when I give lectures at university, it is you really see how crappy nineteen twenty year olds are. Oh yeah, like Bless they just hearts. don't give a board. Like, I'm giving you some solid advice. Please listen to this. Yeah. I wish somebody told me this when I was a kid. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It was not that much different than talking to my own kids. Honestly, it was yeah. <laughs> that same that same disinterested look. But you know, uh, we were obviously getting to a few of them. You know, and that that, that, that felt sure. great. You know? Oh, that's great. But uh, but you're right. It made me. I felt significantly smarter. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or maybe, maybe, maybe uh, effective. Maybe I felt significantly more effective. So, because sure. I mean, they're going, oh man, I've got to take six classes. And I'm like, oh, I would dream of only having six things to take care of at once. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Holy wow. crap. Well, you guys have been doing this this HP Lovecraft themed podcast, and now you've sort of moved past all of Lovecraft's work. And I I think of this as your weird face because you're doing a lot of weird fiction stories. Yeah. Um. And before we dig into monsters, though, I, how do you? I've heard you say a couple times. This is just me as a fan of mm-hmm. your work, but you guys are very dismissive of ghost stories as weird tales. So why is that? Oh, boy. Well, Uh, you know, weird fiction as defined by Lovecraft and and a lot of other practitioners is that you were touched by something that's truly unnatural um, outside of common human experience. Now, obviously, ghosts are kind of fit into that category, but it feels like there's always a – they're rule-based somehow or they have very human motives, you know, so it's not – like, so, you know, if we're going to talk about a lot of Lovecraft's monsters in this, those, those monsters generally are outside of human experience. Humans don't even matter to them. And yes. that's, you know, so it's the cosmicism that that makes you feel insignificant. And that's sort of the the hook there. And when you ghost stories are generally like they're trying to resolve some tragedy or, you know, they're angry about something that happened to them when they were alive. So it's it's very conventional in that respect. So it's rare. There are some ghost stories that do give you that sense of otherworldliness, but in general, they're very, I mean, right, Chris, you'd say, yeah, well, cause uh, it feels like ghost stories have been around so long and there are these rules that exist for ghosts and they vary from culture to culture and story to story, but there's still rules. And then once you understand those rules that it becomes a very quantifiable thing, a ghost does. Whereas with the Lovecraftian creatures, he he does, and a lot of the other people that write mythos stuff, do a really good job of not letting you be able to kind of quantify what the creatures are, what they are what they can and can't do, why they're doing the things that they're doing. They are really alien, and I think that's what's important, because ghosts are so ingrained in culture, like, yeah. I mean, since the dawn of time, I think that it feels like that they're something that you can understand. And they're definitely related to, to human experience. You know? Yeah, yeah. I would say the experience of ghosts is, is very, very uh, culturally universal, right? I mean, I, yeah. I'm not aware of any culture that doesn't have ghosts. That doesn't mean there aren't any, but I've been looking for a while. It seems like it would have come up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I do think that ghost stories, when it's in the oral tradition, you know, if you're sitting around with friends and you're talking about that stuff, when it doesn't have to be constructed into a beginning, middle, and end, you get closer to weird fiction. Because somebody will say, all right, this thing happened to me and I couldn't explain it. It yeah. freaked me out. Well, yeah. I was going to say that the like if you look at Poltergeist cases, like the allegedly real ones, they, they start out of nowhere. They run a course and then they end for no apparent reason. It is very disconcerting. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's yeah. a lot closer to yeah. the experience. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I love them. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was just revisiting one yesterday uh, that I read about years ago and it came back up again. And, you know, the thing about all this stuff is uh, these allegedly true monsters show up again and again. Not no definable cycle, but they just show up again and again. Once the idea is out there, the monsters just keep coming back. Mm. But but you know Lovecraft didn't use a lot of traditional monsters. I mean, aside from let's see, the ghoul. Um, I mean, the mm. zombies. He sort of does a zombie, but the zombie he does is, uh, you know, it's very much a mad science type zombie. It's not a, like a Russian yeah. zombie. Um, 
But what else? I mean, most of his monsters are not re- – they're completely his own. They don't really seem – They to- are. Yeah. Uh, lurking fear, you know, you've got the sort of chud-like uh, creatures, right? The, like, sub subhuman underground dwelling – a de-evolved, you know, almost like the descent or something like that. He gets into those areas a little bit, and I think that that's a little more traditional, right? Like, yeah, uh, they're just humans who are pretty gross, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm really interested in the paranormal and the 40n and that sort of thing. What you? Yeah, you know, check this out though. Huh. I just ran across a book by John Keel, uh, famous of the Mothman, um, mm-hmm. and he uses the phrase cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers years uh, uh, more than a decade before chud came out oh well maybe they borrowed it from i'm really that's i'm really curious about that that seems really statistically unlikely (laughs) yeah (laughs) so when that movie was really popular at the video store and since my name's chad i would get called chud sometimes and it really (laughs) upset me i wanted fewer people to know that was there but now that i think back i'm like that was a cool nickname i should have stuck with that chud pfeiffer man yeah yeah no that's that's almost like a wrestling name that's awesome wow yeah totally why did i miss that you never shared that i never heard anybody call you chud that's see i put and i wish i i wish i did yeah I believe now that I it happened, it. but that must have happened when you were younger. It happened when I was pretty young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when video stores were just blowing up. That was a really popular rental. That it was. was. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're a fan of Daniel Stern but hate to see him abused in the Home Alone movie, <laughs> I was like, probably like number two on his Uba. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there was some article years ago where a physician talked about all the injuries in Home Alone and how they actually would have hurt these guys and what oh would have happened God. and stuff. It was so funny because they should, they should have been dead like immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah there's a, a YouTube video where a guy goes and does, you know, with ballistics gel mm-hmm. and, and and shows you exactly how much damage would happen to the people <laughs> and how bad the burns would be and how hot the doorknob would have to get to burn somebody. Right. And yeah, it's all. It's uh, if you do a search, you find it. We don't, we don't know how many hit points they had, though. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, they seemed to be fairly low-level thieves. They did. So, well, I would guess they were no more. I mean, because if a little kid beat them, they must have been like what level two, level yeah. three. Yeah, like level two. And if maybe. they've yeah. if they've got a D six hit dice, I don't think any of those guys had a con bonus. <laughs> right? Is it D six or is it D eight for 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 rogues? I'd have to look that up. Uh, uh, I think it's – yeah, you know what? It, it, I would, I would guess edition, it was D8, but uh, – I think it's fifth edition, it's D8. So if they've got a D8, you're looking at an average of uh, four, to, four to five, nine, so about 13 hit points. No con bonus because those guys were totally out of shape. So 13 hit points? Yeah. So you This say, is just like listening to a doctor. Well, I, so I think maybe what you're telling me is that, that the GM was like fudging the numbers? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying yeah. yeah. Well, then again, those are improvised weapons as well, so they probably wouldn't do very much damage. <laughs> well, we don't know what his skill level at these improvised weapons was either. Well, I mean, he's a kid, so he would be like a level zero kid. So character. you're giving him a negative modifier. Well, He's yeah. a pretty exceptional kid. Yeah, in certain ways, I guess trap building, that would be a skill in in and of itself. Ah, but maybe each of those improvised weapons had a plus one through the magic of Christmas. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Wait, you're trying to say that that, uh, Kevin McAllister was some kind of cleric of Santa? Yeah, maybe he was (laughs) multi-class. Yeah. (laughs) 
So he had oh, two boy. first levels. He was able right. to manipulate Christmas magic. <laughs> I'm just surprised that all this information is just shooting out of my head. Yeah. Like, I just... <laughs> I can't stuff. believe I know all this stuff I, and that I'm able to kind of put it together in a sort of cohesive way, yeah, well, which is really disturbing because I haven't played Fifth Ed in like five years. And I still remember all this stuff. Is it really that old? That's, I, I've got a problem. Oh, it's older than five years because I, I, pl- I played it online with some friends. Maybe it's four years. No, it's five years because I played it online when my, my second son was born and he's four, almost five now. So... Uh, yeah, I was, it's at least five years old. I just, I I read the third edition books to my son when he was in the crib to put him to sleep. So, (laughs) 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 So. hey, wait, John Tweet wrote that stuff. He's pretty, that's, those are pretty good. But I guess if you're going, well, my son was, I mean, he was not even one yet. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I was like, (laughs) wait, so you wasn't playing yet? Not at one? No, no, no. No? It, no, no. Not yet. I mean, once what, he got old enough to stop putting the dice in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always an insult when, you know, something puts somebody to sleep. I mean, it's engaging enough that it helps you well, stop thinking about your own Yeah. Well, life. here's the th- thing, Chad, is we get so many emails from people that say they listen to our show as they go to sleep. Yeah, I know. That's the reason I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Because the first couple of times I was like, oh, man, maybe he didn't want to share that with me. And then I went, no, it's positive. Yeah. And I'm going to make it positive somehow in my mind. <laughs> I love it. To love going to sleep to our sultry tones. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking well, of, well, let's, so, well, maybe they go to sleep with nightmares, if, 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 especially if you've done an episode with lots of monsters, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> was that was that a uh, that was an improvised uh, segue I just threw in there. <laughs> It was a good uh, one. Monsters. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, oh, this isn't Monster Avoid. This is Monster Talk. That's right. That's right. So, so well, I mean, normally we wait to the end and say, hey, what's your favorite monster? But maybe if you could talk about your favorite Cthulhu Mythos monsters up front, we could sort of just sort of use that as a launching point to get into these critters. Yeah, sure. I Boy, I should have thought of that. My favorite? Well, it depends on what. You mean by mo- like is Cthulhu a monster? Uh, encounter, yeah. encounter level six, Chris. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's pretty. I like the deep ones because they're they're sort of fishmen like creatures from the Black Lagoon, but they wear little outfits and stuff, and that to me is very pleasing. <laughs> I don't know why, and it's outdated stuff too. You know, so I don't know. I like deep uh, ones a lot. Yeah, deep ones are good. I, I always thought kind of Wilbur Wantley or Waitley got the the short end of the stick. I think he's a pretty cool monster because he's like what six years old. Yeah. Yes, he is. And he's you got know? like a deep man's voice. And, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. About him. And he's six foot eight or something like that. Yeah, he's a big, tall fellow. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. also, I always like you know what's an indicator of the monster? You know, like a werewolf will have. Oh, they're. Uh, they have hair on the palms of their hands or the fingers are, you know, the same length or something like that. With Wilbur Waitley, he wears his clothes buttoned up so tightly you can't see any part of his body except his head and his hands. And that's a cool thing that, you know, if you see somebody doing that, you're like, yep, they're part right. or whatever he is, you know. It's like, when he takes off his pants, you can see his tentacles if you know what I mean. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Just to point this out, David Lynch would always button up see? the top button on his shirts and mm-hmm. not wear ties. Mm. Yeah. Coincidence? He's probably, he's probably part invisible, insane god. The, the bolos are not what they seem. That's mm. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, the what well, you know, because we're you do a lot of stuff about like cryptids and myths and things like that. I and do. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the creatures that that Lovecraft kind of takes from the genre of research and folklore is the the Mego. Right. It's interesting because it's the only creature I'm aware of that he uses where he like literally references, um, you know, the is the abominable snowman basically. Right. right. Yeah. So. Which is wild because his description's nothing like the Abominable no, Snowman. No, it's nothing. It's totally different. So yeah, the uh, we, I actually I, we haven't talked about it on the show. I didn't want to do like a whole episode on just the Mego, but I, I do find them honestly. I think uh, Whisper in Darkness is probably my favorite of his stories. Whoa, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Well, it definitely gets into the cryptid stuff. I mean, yeah. right at the reference fort and it, yeah. Well, I, to be fair, though, I mean, I've, I've looked into. It, I thought, well, what an interesting story. And then, like, I, I one time I sat down to analyze it with an eye towards, you know, making a screenplay or you know, doing some kind of dramatic adaptation. And you mm. know, not much happens in that story. No, <laughs> no. some dudes writing letters to each other. It's like yeah. a, it's almost like a Kafka's Metamorphosis. Everything mm. that happens happens up front, and then everything else is just sort of a, the whole thing is written in letters. A pistol, pistol, yeah, epistolary, yeah. yeah. There's a joke there that not that I was trying to get to the joke, but I keep thinking it'd be really funny to have a series of cowboy stories. They were all written from the perspective of other people who had encountered this character, and it's. You know the adventures of E Pistol Larry. So, and, <laughs> uh, right? No, boo. you stopped. <laughs> Very good. Boo! I like it. Shame for, on you. For the seven or eight people who are both Western and wordplay lovers, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to rock that audience. That's right. With that. Oh man! So, I call them the Magnificent Seven. In fact, they 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 they're great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but the Migo, I, I actually so one of our listeners, and well, she's actually been a guest before is Natasha Mickles, and she's a, a religious studies person who is focused on uh, Tibetan Buddhism. When, when, the, when the Slenderman story broke, there was a lot of talk about uh, Slenderman being a tulpa. Uh, and the idea is that comes from theosophy by way of Buddhism, that mm-hmm. uh, if you, it's a thought form that comes into a physical reality. Like, if you get enough people to believe in something, right. uh, it'll, it'll become real. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, I, mm. my, my inappropriate counter to that has always been, if that were true, then, you know, every teenage boy who's been fantasizing full time about, you know, an, uh, this awesome, you know, magic girlfriend, would they would appear, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, our, and, our country would be overrun with Canadian girlfriends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they focus on them so much, surely. <laughs> That's enough, right? But yeah. but it's not, you know. That's not that's not the case. No. But but more importantly, when I, I asked Natasha about this, uh, about this Migo word, uh, oh, but well, it's to say that the the whole tulpa thing turned out to be that's not what a tulpa is. Like it has gotten bastardized through Buddhism to Theosophy, and from Theosophy to pop culture, it's just become this entirely different thing. But the original meaning is very specific uh, to Buddhism um, and to Tibetan Buddhism in particular. But so it, you can go back and check that episode if you want to hear that, listeners. But yeah. But I asked Natasha about the Migo because I was really curious about the word. So she wrote back and said that Migo literally means savage man or wild man. And I can actually put her uh, some contents, uh, a, a portion of her letter in the show notes because uh, okay. I think it's very informative. But but what she also mentioned was um, uh, it can it can refer to a monster, but can also just refer to a a, a barbarian stranger. 
Um, and what I found really interesting about that, um, and hopefully I, I will get this out after the episode I'm working on about this, but the, um, the, the this idea that Migo could mean wild man is very similar to an issue that came up on a, another monster, which is um, a creature that was supposed to live in Abkhazia. And um, there was this whole mystery about whether or not it was a, uh, a wild person, a primitive person, or whatever. And it turned out to be a... Uh, it was kind of a sad story. It turned out to be a woman from sub-Saharan Africa who had probably been enslaved in the 1800s. <sighs> and so it's not a monster. It's a human being with a tragic story where the other people were the monsters, right? Yeah. And the thing is, they called her Zena. And for years... I just thought that that was some local name. And then a, a book came out where the author explained that Zena means black in Abkhazian. And so he mm. thought it was for the black fur she was supposed to have. But two things I found out was, one, uh, it does not mean black in Abkhazia. And the second thing um, is that nothing backs that up. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's literally nothing to suggest that that's what it means. Mm. Uh, so, so... The tie-in to Migo is that what Zena means in the meantime is in other areas of the Caucasus, Zena is a wild person. It's a, like a, a magical woman of the woods. Mm-hmm. So this, this sort of nature entity. So is it more likely that people were actually not calling her Zena, but saying she was a Zena or the Zena? Or, right. they, or they named her Zena to sort of reference this supernatural lore that's not part of any of the cryptozoology stuff. I think that's what's right. happening. I think it's like over the years, this this horrible, you know, racist slavery story has been turned mm-hmm. into a mysterious monster story uh, just through the sort of evolution of folklore. I'm, I'm not sure there's any malice behind it. but mm. but Case closed. Yeah, but case closed. She needs to not be part of the lore anymore, the literature anymore. So, yeah. Done. You sorted it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'm able to, I, I have a more cohesive and cogent uh, explanation in the other episode. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be this rambly. Sorry. Who <laughs> was rambling? That was me. <laughs> no, I, I just meant that I didn't hear any rambling. I've heard a, a wonderful story. Oh, well, An that's very kind. Intelligent, thoughtful tale. Well, there of you misunderstanding go. and sadness. Yes, yes, <laughs> a tale of tears and woe. And thanks for listening. <laughs> you got it. So, so, what other monsters do you guys really care about, or love, or despise? Well, I, Cthulhu is. I know he's the popular one, and everybody has the plushy Cthulhu's, and he's on all the T-shirts and all the stuff. But Cthulhu is flipping rad for a number of reasons. One, because he's a giant monster. He's big. You don't get too many giant monster stories. Like, that's just not a thing. Yeah, well, because they're just so, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of insightful tale are you going to tell about, you know, Godzilla, right? He just shows up and wrecks a bunch of things. And yeah. there's a little bit of uh, a metaphor there about atomic age stuff. But with Cthulhu, he actually sends people dreams. A lot of it has to do with the, the run-up to him showing up. You know, mm-hmm. what's, he's got a, a connection to humans in a disturbing way. And that's what makes him so interesting. And also the, his look, he just yeah. looks super cool. 
That's I know that's surface and that doesn't really mean anything, but I, I think that's why he's as popular. When as you're he so is, big that a mountain walked or stumbled is your tagline. Yeah, no, it does yeah. mean something. But <laughs> I also think that in terms of monsters, what they look like is the primary characteristic. You know, this yeah. is why people have been obsessed with monsters from the beginning of time. How can we mash up an animal with a human? What? How many legs does this thing have? What kind of fur? All that stuff is is crucial. I mean, you don't really have a monster unless they have a. Uh, but vampires. Vampires are just people that drink blood. Mm, well, like, they sparkle you, in the sunlight. The, the, yeah, the, oh. the, the novel ones are, but I, I think oh. in, in, the, in the folklore, ugh, yes. vampires are They're pretty hideous. Dead things, yeah. yeah, and even the romantic uh, fancy vampires, they have the fangs. That's important, you know. Yeah. Widow's Peak. They wear a medal <laughs> that they won for some reason. <laughs> Make great chicken. They have uh, uh, BMX, uh, like, rim covers on their m- motorcycles. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you, Piper, were you trying to imply that Dracula got that medal for his, for cooking that paprika chicken? He could have. <laughs> there, the, there is evidence in the literature that suggests that. Oh. But it could have been he ran a race or it could even be a participation medal and he's just that lame that, he, you know, he's wearing it around because <laughs> he's a... He's a special guy. You know, uh, Brown Jenkins, though, speaking of uh, animal-human hybrids, that's one of the only times that shows up in Lovecraft's work, right? The rat with the human face. Yeah. yeah. That's the only – I think it might be the only Lovecraft monster that actually genuinely scared the crap out of me as a kid. Really? Yeah. I don't, it, it reminded me of the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. And uh, we <laughs> – <laughs> Why? 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 Why can't Jeff what? get any respect? I don't, I don't know that story. Is wait, did you cover that knows, already in your show? Everybody knows Jeff the Talking Mongoose. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. We have covered it. Uh, it when I met Karen, I go back to that one. One of the reasons I was like so excited to talk to Karen was because she was one of the few other people I'd ever met who'd even heard of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. So uh, it, it's like you know it's. I don't know what it's like. It's like meeting somebody who's into the obscure thing you were into, only you're into it to a level of obscurity most people wouldn't bother with. Right. right. It's like a next-tier nerd thing to find other fans. Uh, but, yeah, we did cover it, and we got to talk to a guy who actually wrote a, a, a wonderful uh, summary of the whole tale. But uh, it, it's the story about uh, a, a family, the Irving family, that moves on to... Uh, the Isle of Man uh, in, in, around the 1930s, and uh, they were poor, you know, hard scrabble farmers. Uh, the guy had been a successful salesperson in London at some point. And said, "You know what we should do is go be farmers on some really oh. crap farmland." And so he took his family over there, and then the girl started reporting that she was uh, hearing voices and seeing this little creature, and they could hear, you know, noise in the wall. And it it would say things, really funny and insulting stuff. It sort of behaved like a poltergeist. But it would say the most outlandish things like, uh, you know, I'm stranger than you know anything you can imagine. And uh, I'm older than you uh, can possibly know. This sort of like... Oh, I weird. just found... Yeah, I, 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 as you were talking about it, it says, I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Exactly. And so now oh, I had already I wish read... I had that at hand before I wrote my wedding vows. Yeah. <laughs> I, All true. I had already really formed a huge disturbing fear of, of Jeff. 
and then read wow. about Brown Jenkins, and I was like, oh shit, you know. <laughs> Like you add the hands and feet thing to a mongoose, and now stick a face on it, and pretty much you've got brown jinkin. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was one of the cool things about covering that episode was that I learned that the witch's familiar having kind of these names was something that actually happened a bunch, and oh, yeah. people sent in other like other characters from folklore. The, these witches familiars with you know humans with or animals with human faces that had very common like brown jenkins because yeah. when we were doing the show we're like that is just so bizarre what is that about but it, obviously lovecraft got that from probably margaret murray and the witch cult stuff and and all yeah. that because he read read those things yes he sure did i we, we still haven't covered margaret murray but she's on my to-do list as part of our magic series because mm-hmm. uh between her and uh gerald gardner uh, you've you've got the basis for modern Wicca, mm-hmm. so which is pretty wild. But you remind me, Karen uh, has a, uh, a, a she showed me a woodcut from long ago in the Middle Ages that just had a bunch of different witches and their familiars, and the familiars all had the little labels like a like a comic sort of strip sort of thing. Oh. And, and uh, it, it had their like, names. Yeah, it had all their names. It is good to acknowledge that that was a more common thing because it just seems so silly, like. There's this horrific talking mongoose. I'm going to name it Jeff. You know, it, there's, it loses some impact. <laughs> it's Jeff with a G as well, which is a kind of a strange thing. Yeah. There's a demon living in the well behind my house. I'm going to name him Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything uh, uh, special about, uh, like, the spelling, but I'm guessing it might be. A, a, the, they've got their own language there, the Manx language, which I think is dying out just because, you know. Culturally, there's probably a lot of pressure to just speak English. Sorry, so I found the, the one of the woodcuts, and it's like Peck in the Crown, Greasel, Greedy Gut, Vinegar Tom. There's a, there's a I whole. I think I've oh, seen that yeah. before. Yeah, there's a I'm whole. I'm looking at it now too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So wow, that is that's like, cool. It is. It is pretty neat. Uh, yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a very fundamentalist household, and. Um, there was a lot of fear of demons and magic growing mm-hmm. up, and sure. I, as you know, as one does, right? <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, you know, now here in my f- late forties, I've suddenly started collecting some of the actual like magical books, and it's just amazing mm-hmm. how much they are like listicles. <laughs> they, uh, right? Like, or you get like the witch's hammer, and it turns out to be. Uh, like a super Bible nerd book. I mean, it's just like a lot of the book is just arguing about like the finer points of uh, using uh, the text of the Bible to determine whether or not, you know, can a demon have a baby? Can a demon (laughs) impregnate someone? And not like, you know, but like, like, like literally down into the minutia of, well, would the Lord actually allow something demonic to engender life, which is one of the most important values in the universe? You know, and it's like it gets really nerdy. So I just I, I kind of think that's really funny because, you know, I was always afraid of these books. And uh, yeah. and then oh, the other crazy thing is how many of them start out like they're like, yeah, they're dealing with demons. But it starts out with things like using the name of Jesus to control the demons. Like it's like religious demonologist, like right, yeah. It it's pretty weird, like how not satanic a lot of these books are. Like you expect them to be really satanic because they're all like, 
you know, the, the top 50 demons uh, list or whatever. And Sure, and, I know. had a few like that. And they, you know, I, I looked at the photos in the, mor- or not photos, <laughs> the, the, they were always wood cuttings or old medieval paintings of hell, you know, depictions like that. That terrified me. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't grow up in yeah. a very fundamentalist household at all, but still, I mean, I remember I had some book on demons that had, I'd gotten <sighs> from paperback traders or something. And in the center, it had all of these pictures and I would look at them and they would freak me out. And I remember taking that and burying it at the bottom of my toy box. I wanted stuff over it because I was so scared of those uh, pictures in there. And then eventually wait, I took it out and like buried it in the backyard or burnt it or something because it was freaking me out so much. Man, I had an old book about – it was kind of Encyclopedia of the Occult. Was it by Spence? Is that what, who it was? Mm-hmm. I, I, it was just I – when I got it, I thought it was going to be – like you were saying, I thought it was going to be more cool stuff. And everything just seemed to be very Christian-oriented. Like I thought it would be some more way out, crazy, I guess maybe Lovecraftian type of mm-hmm. things. And it was all just, you know, lists of demons and their names. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> It's like everything but their stats, right? You have to work yeah. your own Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and work- I already have those. I have the stats. Well, right. You do. But I mean, when a lot of these books were written, they didn't have the stats. Oh, no. Yeah, no. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That, that's what they were missing, in fact. Right. I mean, as a, but as a teenager, that's what I was hoping for some really cool messed up stories. And they're generally wasn't stories associated with these things it was like there's this demon and his name is gazel wobble yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's more like they had to, oh shit i gotta come up with 50 of these <laughs> totally <laughs> so hello i'm paul giamatti and i'm steven asma each week on chinwag we dig into the weird topics you wonder about that you care about the stuff none of us are totally sure of like the bermuda triangle mothman consciousness philosophy UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. We've got a podcast recommendation I think will be really fun and are useful for Monster Talk listeners. I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast. Studying dinosaurs can teach us about the prehistoric world, but also the world of today. For example, migration patterns of dinosaur lineages can tell us about the Earth's changing continents. Climate models of dinosaur ecosystems help us understand global warming. Studying dinosaur diets can help show the link between plant and animal evolution. Talk about paleo. Hmm. In many dinosaur (laughs) injuries, paleopathologies are the first known occurrences of diseases. A new episode of I Know Dino comes out every week with new dinosaur discoveries you won't hear about anywhere else. You can find I Know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't but it's know. A, you know, maybe they would be like he's the the demon that focuses on beguiling. You know, and right. that's it. Like, there's he no actual story associated with it. It's like, oh well, there's this time that this demon did this specific thing or tricked this person into doing this. Like, none of that. And I was like, that is the kind of 
thing I was hoping for. Yeah, there's no narrative. In these right. books. Yeah, yeah, there's no yeah. narrative. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that that is a hole in the in the in the, in the uh, literature. I think. I mean, you hear what you get narratives about are the people who created the books. You know, that's where the oh, stories yeah. tend to be. You know, this person, you wouldn't believe what they had to go through to get this book. <laughs> I really wouldn't, actually, it turns out. so. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not a word of it. Not a word. The, uh, did you guys run, like, Call of Cthulhu games or play Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, heck yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually never played Dungeons & Dragons. Call of Cthulhu was really the only game I, I played. Well, that and Vampire. I did the World of Darkness stuff, too. Wait, you you did play in college, not with me, but with some people. Didn't you play D&D once and you wanted to be I played D&D once and just didn't gel. Yeah, because I was being too funny. And they were like, no, this is serious business. I just had a hard time taking it seriously. (laughs) Yeah, my guy's name was Conan Dar. I I just, he was Beastmaster and Conan shoved together. All merged together. They didn't like me, and yeah, they didn't ask me. When when a Beastmaster loves a Sumerian very much. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but you know, I've been yeah. reading some Conan actually again le- recently, and that's an interesting inversion of Lovecraft's thoughts. Uh, and I know that he and Robin e. Howard wrote letters back and forth talking about civilization versus barbarianism, and came down on two sides of this. But a lot of in Conan, the barbarian is the only truly evolved person because they don't have res- you know in in those stories, civilization always ends up being bloated and corrupt. Yeah. Whereas Conan can kind of see things clearly because he doesn't obey any laws. Whereas for Lovecraft. It's monstrous to not have civilization. Yeah, and so yeah. a lot of his monsters come from that idea of they didn't, you know, they didn't, they weren't observing typical New England conventions of civilization, and so they've de-evolved, become crazy, inbred, not taking care of their hygiene, and then these become the monsters. To him, that was a really horrific thing. What I think I've just heard is that you, you, Conan, the process consultant, uh, is probably. <laughs> <laughs> A series waiting to be created. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's wait much uh, much longer, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm jumping off this call and getting to work on that. <laughs> well, also with Conan, what's interesting, too, is Lovecraft, really, the monsters live in, in the mind and in ideas, right? Whereas yeah. those same monsters, when they show up in uh, Robert E. Howard's stories, he just gets a sword out and beats their ass. You know, he'll fight. <laughs> so the minute these creatures become any kind of flesh and blood, they can be destroyed. Right, so Conan takes dispatches in that way. I just think it's funny how many like Robert E. Howard stories that deal with uh, mythos type creatures. Um, if you're like thinking, if how would I survive a Robert E. Howard mythos story? Number one, make sure that one of your ancestors is a great warrior. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's like because really beyond that, you probably don't really have much of a chance. No. <laughs> So that's just what if you have some kind of ancestral power. Yeah, it just it wakes memory. up. It always wakes mm-hmm. up. Like you can feel. Sure does. You know, so it's kind of. I guess it's like the Robert E. Howard version of hulking out. It's like totally. You know, and then I got beat down. I got beat down, and then I remembered <laughs> twenty three generations ago, I was an Irish warrior. <laughs> yes, I was a warrior. <laughs> iron feud. <laughs> I was an iron feud panther like warrior. <laughs> so. Oh my god! I, oh. I love I love the HP Lovecraft uh, uh, role playing game, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I joined in probably second edition. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and then um, I've kept up with it. Um, and wow! Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah, don't get that's, to, yeah, that's really well, early. The thing that was so great, you know, I remember picking up the source book and going right to the monster section. That was the most interesting thing. Seeing, you know, all the statistics. I love the size chart that showed you a person against all of these creatures. That was the best. 
Oh my god, yeah. It's all all done in silhouettes. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I guess uh, we should mention, I guess, the guy who wrote uh, Masks of Narlathotep just passed away about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sad. So, you know, we'll make sure we bring everybody down again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not be too happy. Um, you guys actually covered the story that the Hound of Tindalos came out of. Yeah, that's yeah. a Frank Belknap long. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I had had trouble finding it uh, in print. Uh, back when I was playing the game pretty regularly, and I wanted to, I really wanted to know more about that creature. So, uh, hearing your summary uh, led me to like remember I'd never read it and dig it up and mm-hmm. read it. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I know you. We were sharing some notes back and forth, and you had this thing about the Popabawa, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which was fascinating to me, and it sounds really scary. Well, and it's modern. Yeah, it's, it's very, only it's, from the last few decades. right? Yeah, I think it's like maybe thirty years old, something like that, maybe forty. Came out, I might have come out in the late eighties. Um, yeah, but it, but it's a giant sort of ghost bat sort of creature yeah. and, that um, attacks you, uh, but uh, also it, its goal is to rape you. And but I think yeah, in, in, oh, in anal rape. Uh, yeah, right, let's make sure, we, make sure we earn that. Um, uh, explicit tag for this episode. Wow. Well, no, but it, there were a couple of things about it that were different from other legends you hear, and one of them that was that it was sexually assaulting people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Which you don't, you know, outside of an incubus or succubus, that's not something that comes up a lot with monsters who generally want to drink blood and murder. Uh, but also that it was, it was it like pulls a Batman, right? It makes sure to tell other people about me. It's really concerned with its notoriety. Yeah, yeah, almost like uh, like that's how you. Uh, if you want to stop the attacks, you, you, yeah, you got to get you out there and let other the people word. know I'm out here. And yeah. I thought that was such a fascinating aspect to a monster. You know, like its power is in its notoriety, right? Terrible behavior, but fantastic marketing skills. Yeah, so, <laughs> credit where credit is due. Well, when you when you played, uh, did you ever have uh, ghouls as your monster? Yeah. I yeah, liked ghouls sure. a lot as sort of a an ally, and sometimes monsters, sometimes uh, an assistant in the investigation, because they, you know, they wanted knowledge and they, yeah. they wanted books and and to be able to, and then the fact too that if you spend time with ghouls that you eventually become a ghoul was always really interesting, and I think. We had a character that wanted to eventually become a ghoul, but the campaign didn't last long enough where that worked out for them, obviously, because they died or went insane before it was it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the bigger, uh, more dangerous uh, entities like mm-hmm. Azathoth. Yeah, well, there's not really much of Azathoth in Lovecraft. Like he just kind of his name gets thrown out. Uh, his name gets thrown out a couple times, and then of course there's the story, which is not even. I think it's a fragment, and it's even a whole story, is it? I don't think so. Yeah, it's so it's long since we've covered but, but it. But it is conceptually important to uh, the mythos he was creating because it's referred to as this blind idiot god. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's really a force of chaos, and that idea that like versus a ghost or even a ghoul, its motives and actions are incomprehensible. Well, true, and the progenitor of everything or of life is at the center of the universe is just this nutty thing of chaos. It's not some benevolent, you know, white bearded man out in space that wants to be nice to you. And right. And that follows all the way through to when you get into the mountains of madness and, and in the prehistory, you learn that humans were just sort of a mistake or a joke. 
Yeah. You know, versus the, the theory that everything's leading up to humanity. It's like, no, humans were just a little mistake that happens to still be around. And mm-hmm. that's very humiliating, you know. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me of like when I was dating. The, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Like, like you, 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 might, you want the girl you're dating to like you. And yeah. you'd probably be okay if she hated you. But what you don't want is to just be nothing, like to be absolutely right. inconsequential. Yeah. And, and I think that's that 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 sort of ego blast uh, is a very special kind of horror, you know. Yeah, it's a horror. It's like a horror of ego, but for an entire species that thinks it's doing a little better than everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're no better than you know the insects that get displaced when somebody puts a building down or something. Nobody's thinking about the ant colonies they're destroying because why would they? They'll just pop up somewhere else. And so, <laughs> in Lovecraft's universe, you realize they're just they're gods and monsters out there who are moving things around. And we have nothing to do with you know we're not even part of the plan or a consideration at all. It's a weird place to be, though. I mean, like he uses it for a sense of horror. Yet I, I get the impression that was probably his real worldview as well. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, well, did, did he yeah, find out it. from, like, meeting other people when he told them his worldview and the, the look on their faces? Like, you know, I could package this. Yeah, maybe. You know, he did discuss it a lot with folks in his letters and, and maybe thought, oh, I should put these concepts into some monstery solidification. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You, have you guys looked at Gnostic Christianity at all? A little bit, yeah. I feel like you're probably that you probably know way more about it than I do. But the the, the Gnosticism and there's the idea to, I mean, this was in your notes. We we're talking about the Demiurge, yeah, and the, that how that's similar. But the Demiurge was actually an older idea. I was Greek, and then it got kind of adopted by the Gnostics. I actually just ran into it for the first time, kind of late last year. I was. I, I read or consume. I always feel weird about saying read when a lot of it's audiobook, but uh, I I'm going to just say read for the purposes of this. But I feel compelled to tell people it's really an audiobook. Like I'm because I feel like I'm lying. Feel ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was you reading. Don't need to tell. Someone you was reading me. to me. A, a man was reading me a story, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. liked his story. But I was also listening to another man tell a different story at the same time. Um, but I was listening to. Uh, a Philip K. Dick book um, and uh, a Robert Anton Wilson book at the same time. And I didn't really pick them because I thought they would have similar themes. It just, they randomly both showed up in my, you know, purchasing around the same time for different reasons. But as I started listening to them, uh, both stories uh, started talking about Gnostic gospel and the Demiurge and Sophia and this idea that, that that we're created by accident. Uh, that and you honestly that you know, they're they're outside of this. There's another God. You know that I guess would be closer to the the one that a lot of people think of. But the demiurge is the one that we actually have contact with, and that that's it's it's an it's a force of insanity, and you don't really want it to ever know you exist. And in fact, this uh, character Sophia is trying to protect us from the sort of the mad ravagings of the creature. And I don't think there's a complimentary sort of Lovecraftian concept of someone on our side with all, you know, also having superpowers. No. But uh, no. yeah, so you get like, it's, it's horrific enough, but then you, uh, you sort yeah. of add it, make it a little bit worse when, you know, that's really maybe how things are. What? <laughs> the most be- benevolent thing I think that Lovecraft had in one of his stories was uh, the, was it the white ship or was it the high, high house? 
Strange High, high what, House Noden? on the Mist. The Nodens, yeah. Yeah, that's and the Dolphins. Yeah, and the dolphin things came in. He had like the vision, and there was the dolphins, and then Nodens showed up and was kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think one of the, the most novel, and, and it certainly impressed me when I was young, is The Color Out of Space, which is, is it completely alien. And I was still thinking about that in terms, you know, when we think about outer space invaders, they have characteristics of humans. And mm-hmm. sure. here was something that was just a color. It's we, we you can't even you know it doesn't have arms it doesn't have legs it doesn't have a brain case it doesn't have communication or anything it's just a color that came from outer space and inadvertently maybe poisons this whole family and ruins this entire stretch of farmland and I to me I think that is the the best monster that Lovecraft could have created because it, it really truly gives you that sense of otherness it's not half bat half rat half serpent half octopus or anything like that it's just mm-hmm. a color it's indescribable uh hard to compare to anything else yeah. and it somehow destroys an entire family and you don't even know if it wanted to sort of like i, I thought the the doppelganger in the recent movie annihilation similar to that where it's it's oh, so right. alien i don't even know what its motives are and that that yeah. movie was kind of a, a loose color out of space adaptation i thought yeah i've, yeah. I've read people comment that that's i i am i'm ashamed to say i've only seen like the first 30 minutes of that i haven't finished it yet so it's it's great. That's what it's I keep one hearing. One of the most Lovecraftian movies I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, so I'm actually after well later this evening. I'm going to go watch the thing in 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 cold in Colderama. We uh, <laughs> we 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 watch the thing each year, uh-huh. and then we open all the windows in the wintertime and you know make sure it's as cold as possible while we're watching it. Oh, awesome! Wow! Yeah, it, it really adds something if you can get like cold enough for you know the condensation to freeze in front of your mouth you know <laughs> oh yeah i love that man that's great i haven't thought of that doing that that's it's, great it's, they're, they're, yeah. we went to go see friday the 13th out in the park so we had to, you know you're out watching it on this big inflatable mm, screen in the yeah. uh, in the woods yeah that was a great way to were watch you really that. watching the movie or were you making it well you, you obviously you weren't making it hey, i know the rules because you're I alive now right <laughs> i didn't exactly i didn't drink i didn't touch boobies or anything i was just out there watching the movie there's also i think it might even be the same company who does screenings of jaws where they put the they put the screen out on a lake yeah, and you, yeah. you have flotation yeah. devices and you watch it with your legs in the water. And I don't know if I'd have the guts to do that. That sounds pretty scary. I would because I'm not scared like a baby. Yeah, but there's no there's no sharks in lakes, Chad. Yeah, there just isn't. I knew he just was going to say that. I was sitting here thinking, should I talk about bull sharks being able to use fresh water or just leave it go? So, oh. <laughs> bull sharks? There's bull sharks in the Mississippi. Yeah, right? but that's if they freshwater if, sharks. Yeah, but no, you did, you were in a lake. Like there's no way a shark would make it to a lake unless somebody did, actually did, picked it up and threw it in. Did you not see Boop. Lake Placid? Yeah, <laughs> so, there's an alligator in there. It's like you don't but think that's an a, alligator. That's every town has a Betty White. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. <laughs> you, you, uh, a shark could end up in a lake. It could end up in a lake, but it would get be you ride on a, on a train and <laughs> jump, jump off in the. <laughs> okay, it's a boulette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A land shark. That's right. Yeah, lakes are boy. foul, man. I'm pretty scared of the ocean, but we grew up around lakes, you know, and swimming in lakes, and the water's so dirty you can't see. And it was always Maybe. rumors that there were piranha in the lake, like West Lake where oh, used to be yeah, swimming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some teenager last year to unleash some piranha in here, so you got to watch out, and I believed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Well, not enough that I didn't swim. You know, it's kind of gross to me to think that we swim swam in lakes now that I'm an adult. Like lakes yeah. are kind of gross. It was pretty yeah. gross. I mean, that was you know it was hot. You know what's it like? One in thirty-five will get a brain-eating amoeba. 
You know, so yeah, it's, well, it's worth God. the risk. Nobody's <laughs> telling me that stuff. One in thirty-five? Yeah, I just heard that. <laughs> I did too, just now. Just now. Did you just hear it when you just said it? Is I heard it when you mean? said it. I mean, I oh, technically okay. I did hear it when I said it, but I didn't want to like use that as being you know definitive. Well, that's the second source. I'm exactly. the second source. Now that I've sourced yeah. it, right? Yes. <laughs> One in thirty-five. It is horrifying. There you go. <laughs> Uh, the only thing they can protect you is beer. It's like that's right. It's crazy. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, done and done. <laughs> it's not just the fact that when you were a kid you did crazy stuff. It's that when you get older you realize that your parents are no more qualified <laughs> than you oh, are to be a parent. Yeah. That's oh, the horror. God. You're like, how the hell am I alive? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they didn't even stick around either. They'd go, you kids, all right? Go to the lake, cut us loose. Yeah. I don't know what they went, did. Yeah. They would drop just me be off out there. The they would just leave. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> like, leaving, like, that. leaving my kids at a lake all by themselves. Have fun. Like, no, no, uh, no, no flotation devices or anything. Nope. Just there you go. Yeah. Knock yourself out. <laughs> We're going to go be not around you See? right now. That's, that's our plan. You know, you know, this is not Lovecraftian, but it's just as horrible. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did, we sort of did talk about ghouls, but I, a little you, bit. His conception of ghouls sounds a lot like what I've read of, uh, you know, in the lore about them haunting uh, these sort of abandoned places. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm curious to where he conceive that from did he know what? about ghouls from that lore or did he make yeah i think he did because he was a bit he was really into arabian nights and oh that's and right all that he, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah so i think it came from that and i know that in those myths there it was a a lot of the ghoul stuff came out of a, it was a demon that could assume the form of an animal but the hyena was one that it would typically take the form of and lovecraft's ghouls look a lot like hyenas you know, ah. they've got the kind of the snout yeah, and then yeah. the kind of the big arms and the verse. Like if you look at his drawing of it, which is pretty silly, the ghoul thing. Yeah, I think it was from Arabian Nights or his interests got started yeah. from reading the Arabian Nights stuff. And know. then, of course, I think, you know, all the Arthur Mack and uh, the little people myths that they're these subterranean monstrous dwellers, the worms of the earth from Robert E. Howard. I think the ghouls are partly that, too. I mean, Lovecraft liked that idea that there's secret civilizations all around us. There's old, there's witch cults that still are in existence. There's cults of other deities. And then you have these ghouls that are not just mindless cannibals, but have their own underground. They're an inversion of humans. They have an underground civilization. They have deities they worship. They have all this stuff as well. They read books. Yeah. Yeah. And they are uh, regressed or, or devolved. Yeah. Because they once were human and they became these other, these other things. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, in the Dream Quest. That's where the ghouls are kind of good guys because mm-hmm. they help them. He it's like an army of ghouls and uh, yeah, that, yeah, that they bring in to fight the moon beasts. Boy, uh, that sounds yeah, right. I think so. that sounds right. It's been wow, so long call. since I've. It has I've, been uh, a long time since we read those stories. Yeah, that one is especially insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to hit the um, the serpent men. Because yeah. I think the Serpent Man is one of the few, I guess besides the Mego, the Serpent Man is the only one that's really turned out to have a cryptid form. Because uh, there's a, you know, there are lizard men spotted around. Um, and of course, there's also uh, cultural stories about lizard people and reptile people living under the earth as well. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the, 
there's the David Icke uh, sort of hidden reptile sort of monster, although I think that's something else going on there. <laughs> I don't know if you know. Well, lizard people pop up a lot. I always like a good snake, man. Uh, the Curse of Yig has a very folklorish feel to it as well. Doesn't it? Yeah. Really yeah. Does. Yeah. It's like, hey, there's a snake person. In, uh, I mean, I don't remember what the exact plot was, but it's basically a snake person in a cage that you can go look at, right? That, but the then, person then, that's part. And then cool backstory on why it's what it is. And then, yeah, yeah. One of the, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's the only real snake man thing that Lovecraft does. He kind of stays away. It was more Howard used them a lot. Oh, he did, yeah, for sure. stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I think um, Clark Ashton Smith as well. I think there's a story with some snake dudes in there. Yeah, Howard's ghouls are very... I mean, not his ghouls, but where that kind of fits in, it's the same type of thing. They're very serpentine. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a really interesting concept, I think, when you hear people talk about behavior. Uh, because I think that monsters in general, from the birth of humankind, have been – I mean, maybe they are little metaphors for us and fears we have about ourselves and when we act ways we don't understand. And a lot of unconscious desires that we have that we act on and then wonder, why did I do that? People say, well, that was your lizard brain. You know, That's yes. the – the smallest part of your brain that kind of acts on instinct. And so, you know, it, you'll justify behavior, whether it's sexual or addictions or anything like that, to yourself because your lizard brain is kind of commanding you to do it. And so I think that, you know, snake men as a metaphor might represent that a little bit. You know, it's hmm. the essential monster that we're not uh, this mammalian evolved person, but there is still a part of us that's cold blooded and runs only on instinct. Uh, Edward Bulwer Lighton uh, mm-hmm. wrote a, a story or a novel called The Coming Race and it's about a guy who goes on a mining expedition and sort of things go weird and he ends up getting trapped in a land with these people who have all kinds of superpowers but they are they they are sort of humanoids who've come from reptiles they're they're mm-hmm. not reptile-ish but that's there's that's why they're so different from us right mm-hmm. yeah and um, they look humanish uh, but but the thing is they use this energy called vril energy and the, the story itself was pretty successful uh, as, as a novel but uh, it got picked up by uh, Helena Blavatsky uh, who did theosophy mm-hmm. and so the theosophists took this idea and they believed that uh, there really was uh, vril energy there really was a secret race living in the earth that, that, that Bulwer Lighton had actually fictionalized a true story that's how much they liked it right <laughs> wow but then that real energy stuff gets picked up by new agers through theosophy and uh this leads to like all these weird stories about like uh is it mount shasta um there's a there's a mountain in california uh that that they believe is like has secret cities underneath it with lizard people living inside which all <laughs> comes from the new age through theosophy back to Bulwer Lighton making the whole wow. thing. So it's just pretty crazy. Uh, and we were doing a whole episode about. I love uh, V was the greatest show when I was a, that miniseries. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and they were lizard people. And I'm thinking of Diana right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> Diana dropping that guinea pig down her throat was the coolest thing it, I'd ever seen. It was oh. a really good effect for the time. Dude, yeah. no, that wasn't. You thought it was cool? It scared the crap out of me. It's a cool effect now that I'm almost 50. Yeah, it's great. I think I left the room. I think I had to leave the really? room when it happened. Yeah. Wait, what year did that come out? I mean, I was way too old. I shouldn't have been that scared of it, but I think I was. Well, there was some disturbing stuff in there when the when the girl had the twin babies and the one had the lizard oh, tongue. Oh, right, that freaked me out. Too. And the other baby yeah. was little lizard baby. That was pretty 
creepy. And then they had that one alien that was a good guy, but then he turned out to be Fred Krueger. That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Willie. That's right. Yeah, that's funny because that was my introduction to Robert England was that he was the good, he was the resistance B guy. And so I thought of him as like a, you know, really sweet. Yes. Yeah, this, that came, that came out in 1983. So I was 10, I was 10 years old in 83. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but you know, yeah. that eating of the guinea pig, the thing that that really did that was weird is because I, Diana was really hot. It yes. bad and I had a crush on it's, her. It's and the so, first that, right? Yeah. And yeah, then suddenly she eats that animal and it's so inhuman and you're like, I don't know how I feel right now, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I really love the, the lizard like look of the, the visitor, you know, like the, that mask. I think I made, that was yeah. one of the prosthetics I made. I went to school and studied uh, special makeup effects and I made a, a V mask when I was a, it was a it was a rip off of the V mask. It wasn't yeah. exactly, but it was very similar too. It was a V two. Yeah. yeah, it was Snake Man for for Pitch Black Manor. Chad's you know, uh, industrial band. Play, my band would play, and then uh, Chris would put that Snake Man mask on and come out and dance for us. Uh, so it became <laughs> I'd hit like steel trump, like big industrial steel drums. That's right. Like we're you know, and then I'd have pipes that I'd hit those. And are we talking like really, like a, a Gorn level? Quality. How, how did, how no, no, it was like I wore yeah, like a it cowl. Wasn't a full head though, right? Yeah. So you had it was a, just a uh, face, yeah. yeah. It was, but I wore a cowl over the rest of my head. Gotcha. And so you could just see my face, and then I wore black gloves, and I think I had a cape as well. Yeah. Well, you said but like, it was, yeah, it was. It kind of looked like the Gorn a little bit. It was like Doctor Lizard, Master of the Mystic Arts. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a V visitor. It looked it really good. It like did, if you yeah. go look at it, it, it's totally that's what it is. Oh, I got. Have you got a picture we can put in the show notes? I know, dude. I don't think there are any pictures of that exist because that was back in the day. Like when we, you know, yeah. people just didn't take pictures very much. I may have a picture of it it's somewhere. Pat, it's pat, digital. Like that was, I mean, I took some, but man, I don't know where those pictures, because yeah. they're physical photographs. They're I don't know probably really blurry anyway. It's probably not good evidence. <laughs> well, that makes it even, you know, more compelling if it's yeah. blurry. and That's right. Tell what's going on. <laughs> Never enough to convince a skeptic. Well, I, I, I feel like we probably have to stop because uh, otherwise I'll just yeah, keep yeah. hanging out and talking to you. It yeah, is. Uh, I'll say it's a. It, even though I've 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 done this many times, it is still a little disconcerting to actually finally talk to someone you've only heard before. You know, so it's like, uh-huh. yeah. You, I, I know a lot of people get really uh, invested in these podcasts, and I think it's fun because, or I think it's nice. I shouldn't say fun. I think it's nice that we end up having impact on people's lives that, you know, when that they, you know, are cheered up by listening to us talk about stuff we love and would talk about anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. So, Oh, so my question. So, uh, you have to pick your favorite monster. What's your favorite monster? Uh, and now I know if you're like me and I know you are, you don't have a favorite monster, but I don't. Yeah. But can you pick one and talk about why you like it? Like just not specifically Lovecraft, but any monster. Any monster, right? Yeah, it's wide yeah. open. Put me I mean, I think I'm a, I think I'm a werewolf guy. Mm. I know that's yeah. pretty run of the mill, but I just really no, like one werewolves. Of my favorites. And I gotta say, I'm a vampire guy. Oh, this is all about the so vampire. Much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mixed vampires marriage. are just there's something. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, no, there's just something about the vampire and the, the metaphor of the vampire that just, for me, resonates. And there's just something endlessly cool about vampire. Like, I've been into vampires as long as I've been into monsters, and I still think yeah. they're flipping cool. I can't get enough of them. And I feel like there's endless vampire stories. Whereas werewolf stories, I feel like I keep 
kind of regurgitating them and and they seems to be the same stuff over and over again because you know they're kind of animals they're humans that turn into animals whereas vampires there's a lot more complexity i feel with them you know like they're animals they're that look to... like humans <laughs> <laughs> if you want to you know be reductive about it sure yeah it's true and i guess i'm being a bit reductive about they're, it they're they're uh, they're one-way mirror images because the vampire can't see itself. In nah. Oh, right, there. right. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think werewolves, you're right. I mean, it is. But but if you think about, as a matter of fact, there was that show on Fox that was called Werewolf. Yes. And it was essentially uh, The Incredible Hulk. It was the same yeah. television show, but obviously it turns into a wolf instead of the Hulk. And that's that kind of man on the run. You know, sometimes it pays off to turn into the werewolf. Sometimes it ends up ruining his life. I mean, and I think that so you just have to have other stories where – being the werewolf is a complication. That's the one with Chuck Connor, right? Was Chuck? Yes, mm-hmm. he was the villain, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but the, I really liked that show. That show. Uh, the, do you remember his name on the show? The character's name? Janos Scorzinzi or Scorzini? Was it, it wasn't Janos. It was Janos or Janos Scorzini? Right. Okay, so he's uh, he's playing Janos Scorzini, and what's the name of the vampire? In the Night Stalker. Oh, geez, is, is it, it is it name? the same? Yeah, yeah. So there's a connection there. So, somebody oh, who was I was going to say that also sounds like a name of a it is yeah yeah yeah. So I, I I assume one of the writers must have been from that sort of team. Oh, I'm sure. yeah. yeah, that was putting together the Night Stalker. So uh, the Night Stalker is kind of the OG uh, monster of the week show. You know, I think its tendrils are in any monster of the week show after it. Oh People yeah, saw, yeah. You know. Yeah, so I, I, I think I just I'm assuming that the name would be copyrighted though. That, 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 that I, I think the production looked very similar. Uh, so yeah. I just I just it's got some of the same DNA somewhere. I don't know it precisely where, but it's very interesting. Oh well, I'm sorry, I'm rambling there. So you've, you've covered your favorite monsters. I guess I have to let you go now. But, <laughs> but this was great though. I, I I really enjoyed talking to you both. Um, yeah, thanks for having us, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm uh, probably going to kick myself later and think of some awesome monster that I forgot about. Oh, well, if you do, let me know. I could have <laughs> shown up. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith, and you just heard me interviewing Chad Pfeiffer and Chris Lackey of the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. You can find a decade's worth of episodes in their feed over at patreon.com forward slash Witch House Media. Talking with Chris and Chad was a ton of fun, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as we did. My apologies for the sporadic release schedule lately, but we've got some really great stuff recorded, including an episode on dragons, so stay tuned. I'll be getting those episodes out very soon. Monster Talk's an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed on this show are those of myself and my guests, and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. 
We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Did you know that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine slash app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. Terrible behavior, but fantastic marketing skills. Yeah. So, <laughs> credit where credit is due. So maybe actually has a future on Wall Street or uh, was it uh, Hell's Bells? Was it K? No. What What's the street where the marketing stuff is all? It's all the all the on um, Hell's what? Bells. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna Wall go Street. I don't no, no, no. Wait, I almost said Wall Street. It's not Wall Street. Oh, it's the advertising street. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah I forgot what it's called. Lee Street. It's, that's, what? That, that's in England, isn't it? Yeah. But that's yeah. sort of the journalist street, isn't yeah. it? No, isn't there an advertising street in New York where all yeah, the there is. I can't think are? Of that's what you're th- thinking of. Advertising street. Oh, right. In New York. Yeah, here we it's go. like Wall Street. But Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue. That's why. Mad, Mad Men. Yes. Mad Men. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to edit all that shit out. <laughs> <laughs>